Welcome to the 40 Under 40 podcast with your hosts, Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. They are two entrepreneurs who speak to other entrepreneurs under the age of 40, so you can learn from their successes and failures along their journeys of building businesses. 40 Under 40 podcast hopes to educate, motivate, and inspire people to pursue their dreams of starting a business, regardless of age. And now, here are your hosts, Caitlin and AJ. So, AJ, what's up with you these days? What's happening? Oh, there is so much going on with me, Caitlin, but I don't even want to talk about me today because (laughs) I am so excited about our next guest, Mikey Wren. Ariel Biggs, they are a mother and son powerhouse. Power team. Right? So power. Yeah. So basically just, I want to just tell you how I met them because it's kind of a funny story. So back in 2016, my PR guy sends me an article. He says, AJ, you have to do something for this kid. It was some write-up in some national paper about Mikey Wren. He was a young vending entrepreneur. He was 12 years old. He wrote a book, a best-selling book. Yeah, big deal. And I was like, oh my God, this kid's incredible. He's from St. Louis. So I ended up giving him a vending machine, long story short. And wow. we've been buddies ever since. That's I, how you went bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? He and his mom, they have this vending business. They have a coaching business. They are just- They're, they're yeah, it's crazy it's how amazing. amazing they are. Yeah, I, we can't wait for you to meet them. They're so- power team. They're so smart. They're driven. They're so smart. Uh, So Mikey Wren, he is a 13-year-old kid entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author. At eight years old, he started Mikey's Munchies Vending. And that's a local vending machine company in St. Louis, Missouri. And he's inspired over 10,000 youth with his best-selling children book, Mikey Learns About Business. And Ariel, his mom, she's the founder of Young Biz Kids as a nonprofit organization. She uses the tools of entrepreneurship to reach the masses to help families see that entrepreneurship is an option. And she's the momager of Mikey. I love that name. We honestly cannot wait to talk to these two. Let's just bring them on. Yeah. Welcome, <laughs> Ariel and Mikey. So happy to have you here. <laughs> What's going on? Welcome, you two. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having us as well. Mikey, you're a very young and smart entrepreneur. First of all, how old are you? I'm 13. Um, I think this is our youngest guest ever. Wow, this is officially our youngest guest ever. So cool. So you have multiple streams of income with your businesses. Can you talk a little bit about your businesses? Well, my first business that I own, I own a vending machine company called Mikey's One Two's Vending. And also I wrote a book called Mikey Learns About Business. And I get to travel the world, go around speaking to youth. And also me and my mom, we combined on a coaching program where we my mom focuses on the parents and I focus on the kids and teach them entrepreneurship. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. You you do all of that and you're 13. <laughs> That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. So I'm curious, cause I know AJ knew you, you both from working with you years ago, but since I'm new to the game here, I'm new to this family um, on here. How did you get started? Like what was the inspiration for you when you first started out? Well, we, I first started out when I was seven, I was leaving summer camp with my mom and my sister. And I was like, mama, can I have something off this vending machine right here? And she was like, no, but then she told <laughs> me right after. Yeah. She told me right after that, all the money that you put into those machines goes to the owner. 
But if you had your own, all the money would go to you. So I was like, you know what? I want those. I want a vending machine, dude. Okay, so then what? Did you buy a vending machine? Were you looking them up to see what was for sale? Like, what happened next? Well, when I asked for a vending machine, she definitely said no to that. Because she wouldn't even let me get something off the vending machine. So she definitely would have said no to that. So uh, I asked her, could I start a lemonade stand? And she said yes. And we ended up making $1,200 in three days just off of selling lemonade. Okay, what was in that lemonade? <laughs> something um, magical. It was, yeah, it was pretty good. Like, it was some of the best lemonade I had to before. I got to get my hands on that. <laughs> That's awesome. So you two work together then. Like, what's your, what is your business working relationship other than mother and son? <laughs> it's pretty good. I am like the face of the business. I go out and like execute what's going on. So my mom, she kind of like sets me up and I execute. I go out and speak. I go out and uh, sell the book. I go out and do like the business pitches. So do you consider yourself, Mikey, more of the visionary and your mom is the implementer? Yes. So Ariel, what was that like for you? You have this, you have this young son itching to be an entrepreneur I, I actually always thought that you were the driving force. I thought you were pushing it and encouraging it, but it sounds like it was just Mikey who was the one who was really pushing for this to happen. What was that like? At first, it was overwhelming and it was stressful because as a parent, when you first start, a kid comes to you and say they want to do something and you don't know how to start teaching them that thing that they're saying they want to do. It makes you nervous. But what we've developed over time was a system where if Mikey was going to start all of these entrepreneurial endeavors, because it's been more than one and they keep coming and keep coming, we decided to educate him through entrepreneurship. So no matter what thing or idea he brought to us, we had him to go through a process. What is your big idea? What's your target market? Who are you going to market to? How are you going to market to them? How much money do you need? Like asking those questions to make sure he's thinking through these ideas. And it just, it just became a part of our parenting with him and not just business, but in school, in sports that he played, not allowing him to quit. If you say that you want to do this, why do you want to do it? And if you're going to do it, you have to carry it through to the end of the season to make sure that what you say you're going to do, you commit to it. And then if you don't like it, you change at the end, but you have to see that thing through. Amazing parenting. Seriously, that's amazing. So it sounds like this whole process for you was also a learning experience. Like it's been a lot of learning for both of you along the way. And now you're equally entrepreneurs, you're equal, you know, owners of this business. Right. And so what is, how did that kind of change your life? Actually, it changed my life a lot because I worked a full-time job. I was in uh, working a nine to five. And then what happened was when Mikey said that he wanted to start a business, I was kind of doing it part-time, kind of on the side, like just helping him thinking that this is just a little hobby thing for a kid. But then after we started looking at the numbers and looking at quarterly reports and looking at things, it was just like, wait a minute, this is bigger than what we thought. And then we started teaching other kids. So we also started a nonprofit where we were teaching other kids. So we put a game together as a family to say, what will it take me to leave my full-time job to work with Mikey full-time and also to work within the nonprofit? We thought it was going to take us 12 months, but it actually only took us four months with getting our emergency fund together, getting us six months worth of savings together, and then also just uh, making sure that we positioned ourselves 
um, for Mikey's book, his vending machines, making sure we had all of those tools and things in place. So when we hit the ground running, we really hit the ground running. So you went from employee to mother of this aspiring entrepreneurial kid to entrepreneur yourself. I mean, were you ever an entrepreneur or did it take Mikey to bring that out of you? So I've always been entrepreneurial. I've had a lemonade stand. I braided hair. I made jewelry. I did all of these things in elementary, middle school, high school, and even in college, I braided some hair for our football team. But what I noticed was when Mikey decided he wanted to be an entrepreneur, I kind of hesitated at first because I wasn't successful as an entrepreneur as a child. But then when Mikey kept talking to me, I decided to be the person for Mikey who I wanted in my life when I was younger and to see what that process would look like. So when I started to become that entrepreneurial uh, support for Mikey, it brought out something that was on the inside of me. So Mikey was rehearsing in a car, one of his speeches that he does, and it's a line in the speech that says, and as we are liberated from our fears, our presence automatically liberates us. Others. Well, we were driving, tears are running down my eyes. And he's like, mom, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm saying, you, you being present and walking in what it is that you have allowed me to step out of my comfort zone and face those fears that I had. So I appreciate you for that. Because as you were liberated, you also liberated me to let me know that I can really act as not only an entrepreneur, but as a successful business owner and actually bring in money and do this thing full That's time. That's beautiful. I love this. This is a great family relationship here. Um, so Mikey, tell us about your book. What, what was that like to write a book? Did you have this idea that you want, that you wanted to write a book or did it just kind of come out of, you know, the experiences that you were having? Well, actually in third grade, I was struggling in reading and writing. So I really couldn't comprehend what I was reading. And my third grade teacher told me to start journaling. So I was journaling what was going on in my life. And at that time, I had just did the lemonade stand, so I journaled that down. And then I had just did, I had started my vending machine business, and I started journaling that down, which caused me to what? So it, my teacher, I mean, not my teacher, my mom, she kind of read it a little and was like, "This is a book. Like you could turn this into a book." And what was inside my journal quickly became a book, and it became a best-selling author. I, be, I mean, I became a best-selling author. Oh. Oh my gosh, you are so famous. This is amazing. So I also want to clarify that Ariel, you are also under 40 years old. Cause I don't think we talked about how, cause our podcast is 40 under 40, right? And so <laughs> both of you are young entrepreneurs and are an inspiration for so many other people. And so um, Mikey, going off of that and going off of your book, how did it feel to know that you were kind of inspiring other young kids to, to get involved in business? Like, what did that feel like for you? It felt unreal. Because when I first like realized like the impact that I was making inside of my community and some of the people that was like walking up to me asking for pictures, um, asking to asking for one of my books, asking to do certain things with me, it just you're like a celebrity. Yeah, I'm like I'm actually bigger than what I (laughs) see. The characters in the book, so it's obviously me, Mikey, but the briefcase is actually my mom. The briefcase that I found in my basement is actually my mom, but 
I said, like, I was like, didn't, I didn't want to be rude or anything, but I was saying, like, no one would want to sit there and listen to a mom explain a kid to a kid about business. They're rather, they're rather something else. Just like how Dora has the map and um, her backpack, yeah. I have my briefcase about briefcase. business. Oh, that. my goodness. Ariel, how did that feel to be a briefcase? I know, right? It feels <laughs> good because at that point of Mikey's business, I wasn't out in the forefront. I was just behind the scenes. So it didn't make me have to start speaking until Mikey started getting a, po- a lot of popularity. And they were just like, "Who this force, this little boy, he's nine years old. He can take the stage, dominate the stage. And they was like, where's his parents? Where is his mother at? And then they started to call me out. Um, the kids love the briefcase, love every time the briefcase comes in. Mikey has a little uh, a mock-up briefcase that he carries around with him with a smiley face and stars and stuff on. The kids always want to know what's in the briefcase. My portion of what I poured into Mikey, he's using it to pour into others. So it's, it's That's a, a great good. way to put it. Yeah. Mikey, you should say, if you want to know what's in the briefcase, you have to buy my book. (laughs) (laughs) Sales. Bam. (laughs) Going off of this sort of, Mikey, I'm curious, what was it like for you at school, like amongst your peers after you started to make it? Did people start to treat you differently? Not really. So this guy on social media, he gave me a shout out and his name is Shaytees. And he was like, this kid is doing an amazing things. And most of the kids at my school followed that guy. They didn't even know what you did. They kind of knew you had a business, but they didn't really think it was a business. They didn't think he was a big deal until that guy shouted him out on social media and our phones and stuff blew up that day. While I was at lunch and eating my lunch, a bunch of people came over to me and it was like, say cheese, shouted you out. And it was like, I didn't know you had a business. I didn't know your business was that big. And then they, a couple of them asked for pictures. Some of them asked for my autographs. And uh, like, they was just all crowding, like all around me. That's so like, cool. That must have felt amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did that inspire you? Did that become your fuel to push you forward? Yes, definitely. Where are you today? Like, are you, so your vending machine company, I want to know more about, I want to want to know more about like the logistics of your vending machine company. Um, what, what kind of vending machines, where, what do you do? I, I mean, I know you have the book and you have the speaking, but I guess what all else is included in that? With the vending machine business, uh, keep in mind, I know like, what I can handle because I have to know what about school and all that stuff. So uh, my brain can only handle so much. So I know that we, I have 12 vending machines currently. I started off with two. A little quick story behind that. I was actually at an event. This is how I got my first ever location. I was at an event with my mom. I was talking to this lady. My mom was upstairs, but I was downstairs. And it was like, whose son is this? They kind of like said it a little loudly so that the people out like around for her and my mom she looked over the ledge and she was like what did he do whose son is this whose son is this he said he owns vending machines so then my mom she came downstairs and she was like yes he owns vending machines she honestly thought I was in trouble she thought I did something and broke she's like what now Mikey (laughs) and the lady right there right then and there asked me to place at five of her locations which would have been 10 vending machines Mm -hmm. but at the time I had only saved up enough to get 
one, I mean, two vending machines, which was one location. Mm -hmm. But at that time, you didn't even have the machines. I mean, look, AJ, Caitlin, like he was so confident that he was going to get him a location and he was at this networking event and he was networking. He knew that somebody was going to take his vending machines and the lady offered him five. We had to slow him down because we knew at that stage in the business, we hadn't even started. We didn't know anything about vending. We didn't want to take on five locations and mess up our reputation as being vending machine owners. And we were just stepping into the space. So we had to go back and have a conversation with Mikey and say, hey, we can do this, but let's do two. Let's start it out and let's see what this will look like. Because at this time, I'm working a full-time job. My husband's working a full-time job. And he has a little sister that was probably two years old at the time. So we would have to balance our whole family. But in placing those two machines and the money that it was bringing in, it helped us to see this is really good. So we invested in two more, then we invested in two more, and then we invested in like another six because we was just like, this is what we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So what, so what is that process like? Like when, when that lady was like, here, you, you can have these locations, what do you do then? So you bring them the machines and then is it just kind of they're on their own now, or do you check in on the machine? Like, how does that work from your end? When I was growing up, I had like this really good pitch, like this really awesome pitch that convinced a lot of people like they needed my machines in their Ooh, location. tell us. I remember it vaguely because I haven't practiced it in about three or four years. I remember the main part and it was like, what's, uh, what's one of your favorite snacks? I love, um, AJ, crap. Um, I like Reese's. <laughs> yeah, I Reese's. like chocolate. Okay. <laughs> Okay, my name is Mikey. I'm the owner of Mikey's Munchies Vending, and uh, we offer convenient snacks to people on the move. So a couple of the things that we offer inside of our vending machines are chips, cookies, candy, more specifically, Kit Kat bars, Pepsi, some Coke products, Gatorade, and also we also offer those Reese's that you like. (laughs) So let's talk more about Vending, vending machines, the vending business. I used to be in the vending business. You both are currently in the vending business. What would you say to someone who's trying to get started in this industry? I would recommend that they do their research and actually figure out what type of vending machine that, I mean, what type, what industry in the vending machine business they want to be in, because most people think it's just snacks, but it's so many other avenues that you can go in and vend in. So mm-hmm. I re- I would recommend do the research first. And then when you identify what lane you want to be in, find a good wholesaler that has quality products that so that you can offer quality products. And then um, start looking at your costs to make sure that when you put your uh, numbers together and put things in the machine, that the cost actually makes sense for you so that you can make a profit and then start looking for locations, ideally where that machine will be. So with like Mikey and I, we don't take any location. We actually look at foot traffic. We actually look at number of employees they have. We actually look at, um, is this a safe environment for us to be in to place the vending machine? And then we interview people to work with us because we understand that we have the power um, when it comes to this business, we're not out looking for locations anymore. Like when we first started out, now when people come to us, we make a decision to and say, will we be a good fit 
to work together. Um, so I would suggest like really knowing what you want, um, knowing your deal breakers, because everybody would want a vending machine because you it's, you place it there free, but will they encourage their employees to buy? Do they want a kickback? Do they, you know, like these are all things that you have to think about and what percentage of that. Do most of your locations receive commission? Actually not with Mikey's because we have our nonprofit. So the money Mikey makes, we take 10% and put it back into our nonprofit because we are financial literacy. We use entrepreneurship to teach financial literacy. And that was one of the reasons why we allowed Mikey to start his business. Because for me, he wanted to go to the NBA. He wanted to be this NBA superstar. But I knew if Mikey made all of this money, will he be able to manage this money that he's making? So I started to allow that to use that to teach him financial literacy. The reason financial literacy was important to me to make sure Mikey and his sister knew was because because I wanted my kids to be able to leave my house and know how to manage money and how to survive on their own. And then I would always say when we first started, Mikey, I want you to know how to live life out without me. Like you need to be able to go out in the world without me. Well, during this process, Mikey was running his business for about a year, maybe. Yeah, about he was running his business for about a year and I got diagnosed with stage three cancer. So during that process, Mikey had to step up and do all of these different things in his business. But at first I was nervous for him. But then as I start watching him, he had did it so much for a year. It was he already knew what he was doing. He knew everything. And then even when it came out to speaking engagements, I was still booking speaking engagements from my bed and from my chemo chair. But he went out and executed. That's how that's why Mikey at the beginning said uh, my mom does the back end stuff and I go out and execute because I give him the task to go do because we found that that was the best way for us to work together. But during that process. We saw how good Mikey was with his money management, with his organizational skills, with his time management. And he learned all of this through entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I remember when you were telling me about your cancer battle, I was absolutely shocked. You are such a strong woman. Now, obviously, that's not how cancer works. But Ariel, tell us, how did you keep going? To be honest, AJ, you were one of the reasons why I kept going. So you didn't know when you Aww. came. Yeah, so when you flew out to St. Louis to surprise Mikey, doing that, I had cancer at that time. I know. But I didn't say anything until after the event, until when we went out to breakfast, I said, I hey, AJ, this that. is what we're up against. That was one of the things that was like, okay, we need to do this. We need to keep going. Because if you came all the way from California to St. Louis to spend some time and to pour into my son, I knew that I was doing something right. And I knew if I continue to pour into him, it's going to be more people like you, AJ, that sees Mikey. And I know that I don't have to worry about him. If God decides to take me off this earth, I know that I don't have to worry about him because it's going to be enough people pouring into him. But everything that's pouring into him, I teach him to pour it back into others. Ariel, that's beautiful. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God, we're crying up in here. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, I had no idea I inspired you. Yeah, definitely. Because who else comes? Like, we had never had anything like that happen to us before. And like, in the, you you gave him a whole vending machine. He was shocked. He didn't even know that the vending machine was his. Like, just to set up all of that, the logistics of all of that, just to 
surprise a nine-year-old boy that's saying that he has a dream. You help fuel the fire for his dream. And as a mom, what else could I ask for? AJ, we didn't have money like that. You know, we came from a, we were living paycheck to paycheck, you know, but he had a dream. So us supporting him with his dream and then you're coming from California to help support this dream. We knew that if we continued on, the right people will come into his life to help him take this thing to another level. And that's what's been happening year after year after year. Wow, that was so touching and so amazing. And I am so glad we're friends. We've been good friends ever since. And I had a blast that day in St. Louis. Look at the power of entrepreneurs to inspire other entrepreneurs, which is what this podcast is all about. Is like, we want to pass on this, like you said, Ariel, like pour it into others because when we gain and we pour into others that it, it all comes back to you. And it's really, I mean, that's kind of the best part. So a little bit going back to when you were talking about getting all this started and, and making sure you had enough money to buy the vending machines, what is that financial investment like for this business? And, and what is the potential, I guess, for, for income for someone who doesn't know this business at all? So me personally, I like to always say you need enough money to buy vending machines. You need enough money for the repairs if anything goes wrong with the machines that you bought. You need enough money to cover the snacks. And then you need enough money for the next, like you need enough money for the next week and the week after that. Just in case you don't make money that week, you don't make enough money to reinvest or you don't make enough money the next week to reinvest. So, and we invested about $3,000 up front. We did not get brand new machines. We got refurbished machines with a warranty on them. And then we went to Sam's Club and bought the snacks. When I tell you, we did very basic ground level to get started. And like we talked about Mikey's uh, lemonade stand, that's how he got the startup costs. We we didn't have the money for startup that, costs. That so. fueled your business, basically. Yes, it did. It did. And then for Christmas, Mikey opted out of getting Christmas gifts so that he can get uh, more machines. So that helped us as a family. Because we honestly didn't think we were going to have to buy him vending machines. You know, kids always come and say, oh, I want this. I want to do this. And we was just like, okay, if you do it, we're going to get it. Well, he did it and we had to get him. <laughs> You're like, well, I guess he followed through just like we taught him. <laughs> yes, yes. But so, vending on a typical, uh, like on an average day, we can say we started to look forward to the $35, $40 a day, but we have had some $90 days. We've had some $100 days. And I'm just talking about for one machine. Mm-hmm. So we were able to have some good days. That's why I said, uh, is this vending? Is this real? Is this legal? Like, can we really do this? <laughs> is this like, legit? <laughs> can we really be doing this? <laughs> <laughs> so you have vending, you have coaching, you have speaking, you have book sales. Can can you break down all of the revenue streams for us? So our biggest income stream as of now, especially during the pivot that we made is through coaching, teaching what it is that we know. So our saying has become learn, do, teach. So we learn something, we do it, and then we teach others. We found out that. that the more we teach 
it helps us because we can only do so much in a 24 hour day. But if we have a hundred people sign up for our webinar to teach about vending or to teach about starting business with your kid, we make more money that way, but not on top. On, so we weren't really focused on the money. We were focused on the impact because we had so many people contacting us, wanting us to help them with businesses, but they were not in our area. So it, it made sense to say, okay, looking at the amount of time we have, looking at that Mikey's a kid, how can we best do this and still help the families that want to get help? Because most of the families that reach out to us, guys, they are low to moderate income families and they see us and they say, if you can do it, we can do it. Like, how did you guys get out of this type of race with living paycheck to paycheck? Because we don't hide any of that. We speak out on everything that happens. We speak about it because we want to encourage and empower others. And that's what we find ourselves doing and how we measure our success. If, if a family, and I'm going to use vending, if a family takes our vending workshop and then they go out and just buy two bubblegum machines, that just helped them to create something that they can start generating money from that brings extra money into their household. And now they're not so strapped for cash. So that's how we look at and measure our success. And in return, we make money on the back end for sharing our gift and our knowledge. Yeah. So you have vending machines and then you coach people on how to start a vending business essentially. Well, not only vending, not only vending. So we coach parents on how to start business with their kids and vending is just one of the avenues because book writing is one also. You know, so we, we can teach you how to start a vending business. We can teach you how to write a book and create a course around it. We can teach you how to just do a basic business plan to start any business that your child wants to start because the blueprint of starting a business is the same. So you do coaching for entrepreneurship. And I know it's such a big thing for you is to, to coach kids, other kids like Mikey, your age on how to be an entrepreneur. Do you feel... Mikey, how did you feel learning about entrepreneurship and starting your own business has kind of helped you in your life? And why is it important to you that other kids your age also know how to do that? Well, I found that it was really important because I, I don't remember why I heard this, but they said they were saying, like, you got to make sure that everyone around you that helped you build build up and the people that support you, you got to make sure that you bring them up, which that kind of stuck with me. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to teach like all the kids that was that's inside my school, inside my community, inside of St. Louis, inside of Missouri, inside the United States, inside the uh, world. I just want to be able to teach them and show them that entrepreneurship, you don't have to sell drugs. You don't have to do anything illegal. You can sell entrepreneurship. You can sell braces. You can sell lemonade. It's so many different things instead of doing something that will end you up in jail. Right. Hey, and so, you can support yourself and you don't have to rely on other people. Because yes. from the neighborhood that we are from, um, when we started in the entrepreneur space, what I noticed was all of these kids just wanted a way of making money. And in my mind, I kept saying, if you have an entrepreneur spirit, it takes a certain person to recognize that spirit. And I did not want to let a drug dealer put something illegal in my child's hand when I know that I have what he needs. So what I was, what I started saying was, I'm going to make sure the right thing goes in his hand before the wrong thing goes in his hand. And then I started telling other parents that, and what I've noticed is a lot of African American moms with male children that are drawn to me because the reality of it is, it's the streets or 
that's the reality of the neighborhoods that we live in. So how do we get the right thing in their hand? It's the entrepreneurship. Wow. So powerful. I love it. And I remember when we were talking, Ariel, that that is the whole mission of Young Biz Kids. It's to help young African-American kids rise up through entrepreneurship. Can you talk a little bit more about that? It's through entrepreneurship, but through financial literacy, because the thing is we can make money. We know how to hustle. We'll get out there and get it. The thing is managing the money that we make and making that money that we make now work for us in the future also, right? So it's several parts to it. So with young biz kids, I said, okay, I'm gonna teach your kid how to make money, but as they make money, they have to put something away for their future. So I had them to open 529 accounts. And if the parent, because of 529 is an investment account, some of the parents because of lack of knowledge about certain things, they were not comfortable investing into a 529 account. Because when you hear about stocks and stuff, you think about all the risks and I don't want to lose my money. So I said, I got you. So we ended up finding a savings account, a a bank that was doing a savings account for kids that'll match up to 5%. Well, they were doing the most match at that time. So I had all the kids open up those savings accounts, told them to put a thousand dollars, like keep saving, put a thousand dollars because they're going to match you 5%. So this money is not money that you had to work for. That's how it. we change the generation. Like that's how we teach them. This money that you make has to take care of you now and in the future, unless you want to be working for somebody else in your 50s and 60s and 70 years old, you have to apply this principle now and start practicing it. So when you are of age, you can really thrive in life because that's what it is. A financial education will help you thrive, not the amount of money you make because you can have a million in let a million go right exactly hey i know a thing or two about that (laughs) (laughs) that is great stuff love it do you feel like you've had to make personal sacrifices uh, through starting this business or or what sacrifices have you had to make in this whole process if any a couple of sacrifices i had to make was spending time with my friends just sitting at times just sitting there doing nothing tom just not like not doing things that's productive i had to cut a lot of it yeah just like time where you were used to be bored you're like i'm never bored anymore because (laughs) there's always something to do yeah that makes sense and and for me the sacrifice that we had to make was living on one income so we made sure that everything that we were doing uh came fell under my husband's income And then the other sacrifice is really pouring into Mikey because I could have been off doing my own thing or doing some other things, but that sacrifice of pouring into him. And then when we pour into our community, we sacrifice a lot, like weekends or stuff. We could have been traveling and things with our family. We sacrificed a lot on from that end, like pouring into the community. But what I do want to say 2020 was a rough year for everybody, right? 2020, end of March, 2020, we lost our home. Um, We became homeless. Um, We still had our business. We still were running, you know, like we still had all of that, but uh, we just didn't have the uh, money flowing in like we would have liked it to. We lost our home. We moved in with my parents for uh, probably about eight weeks, And then we ended up buying another home. But in the midst of that, our community that we support all the time came together and supported us. 
and they raised $8,000 for us to have toward a new home because of all the work we've done in the community. Because when we talk about Young Biz Kids, we've never got paid for Young Biz Kids. It's just a labor of love. And we meet with them every month. We made sure all the kids had what they need. We would pour into all of those kids. It was ne- It's not a charge. Well, the community came back and said we needed to support them and help them and lift them up in their time of need. And that's what they did. And I do want to say this, why financial literacy is so important, because we lost our house from me being sick and all of that. And we had bills just piling up from me battling cancer. And we were just trying to take care of the day to day and didn't realize how much we had fallen behind. But because we had our credit together, because we know financial literacy, because we had money in a savings account, because we had some things that were working for us and never stopped running our business, we kept doing it. We were able to go from a thousand square foot house to a 2,800 square foot house. Um, within wow. a Rags to riches stories, love it. Yeah, so we were able to do it within a matter of months. It took us about three months to work all the things out, but we were immediately, because we could have went and got an apartment, but it was just like, we knew we came from our house. We owned our house. So we knew that we needed to make a decision that worked best for us. And we decided we were just going to go bigger. And that's what we did. We just went out and we started looking for a new home and we were able to close on a new home. And now it's way bigger, bigger than our imagination than what we thought we would have been getting. But I'm sure I want to share that because sometimes certain sacrifices are made and you might not understand. But if something is on your heart to do and serve, just continue to serve because Mm -hmm. that's going to come back. You reap what you sow, good or bad. So if we're constantly sowing good, at some point, good is going to come. And we seem like we're magnets for good coming, but we constantly throw out good. I believe that 100%. Love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an amazing story. So you played college basketball. Looking back on those days, how important was basketball and was college? What role did that play in your life today as an entrepreneur? It's very important. I played basketball from when I was in elementary, middle, high school, and college. And what I understood from playing basketball is knowing the position. And because I played so many years, I played every position on the court. Now, when I look at entrepreneurship, I am the COO of Mikey's business, right? But I understand the CEO position. I understand the executive director decision. Like I understand all of those positions. You have to wear all the hats. Yeah, but my mindset from playing sports allowed me to know the importance of knowing all of the positions. Because as a point guard, when I played basketball, I needed to know where people were supposed to be, when the transitions was happening, and know that I'm the leader. So if a if a person is not where they're supposed to be, I have to make the adjustment to get the ball into somebody else's hand. It's the same in business. Mikey's not always where he's supposed to be within the business. I have to make the adjustment and pass the ball to the next person that's in position and and I take that I we talk like we're on a basketball team you know like that's, that's, that's so how cool. I line up that's a great analogy I played basketball too not in college I wasn't that good but that's really cool <laughs> I can't picture you playing basketball at all I'm sorry 
Excuse me. I was point guard. Thank you so much. Right. So, you know, you had to be able to see you the whole floor. Yeah. You got to have that field division. Totally. Yeah. So Mikey was originally the point guard, right? But then you look at him as a child and his capabilities, we end up moving him to a shooting guard to where you put the ball in his hand, he going to knock it down. So that's, totally. how we looking, that's how we start looking at it, that I am the point guard and I'll just make sure the ball is in the right person's hand because my husband had has an active role in the business. And then we also have a six-year-old now and she runs business with us too. And we I all have it. our positions that we play within the business so that one person won't be too overwhelmed. Such a star family team. I love it. So knowing all of that, Mikey, how do you feel about college? Do you feel like it's something that you strive for? Do you want to go to college? Do you think you'll, you'll get a lot out of college or are you like, I've already done it all. You know, I don't need college. I want to go to college for the experience. But our, what, I, what I'm kind of thinking in my head, if I get a scholarship to college, I'll definitely go. But you, you will, you will. But if I if I don't or if I'm kind of not feeling it, then I won't go. And I'll just I'll focus on myself and focus on enhancing my business and making money. Mm-hmm. And why is that? So I saw that a lot, what a lot of people say after they get done with college, you go to college and you're not guaranteed to make money. You're not guaranteed to make that money back. Sometimes a lot of people, they're 60, 70, still paying on their college debt. So it's like, why go to college if you're still going to be working at McDonald's or you're still going to be working uh, somewhere where you're only making like $10 an hour, uh, $11 an hour? Yeah. Or yeah, how about right you now. just not go to college and make even more money. This is like financial literacy to a T. So clearly you taught him well because there's so much debt. Yeah. yeah, And even to hear these conversations. So he'll come and be like, look, mom, what you think about this? And I'm just watching him and the way his mind is working and the thought process of the, of how he thinks about things, because he's like, well, if I, I make more money than some people going to college now, like I make more money now than some people who went to college. And I'm like, well, Mikey, you can just hire them to work for you. And he's like, yeah, I think I'll do that. And then one time we were talking about, um, I think it was shoveling snow, Mikey. I can't remember what it was, but we were talking about doing a job. And it was just like, okay, how much does it cost to shovel snow? It's like, oh, okay, it's 40 bucks to go outside and shovel the snow. And it's mad. Well, I make, I charge a hundred dollars an hour. I can go teach a course um, and then bring somebody to pay to uh, shovel the snow. I'll pay them the 40 and I just made 60 and I didn't do anything. So it's that type of mm-hmm. mindset and thought process behind what it is that he does. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. So we are over 40 minutes, but we have a couple more questions. So what's been the most rewarding part of this process? Probably the most rewarding is when we either a get to travel around the world or united slash united states or we get awards and b just getting to spend time together that's rewarding because a lot of people don't get to Mm -hmm. spend time with their family that's so true yeah and what's most rewarding for me with all of this is knowing that even though their kid my kids are kids they understand the importance of giving back to others and then also they know how to um, make their own streams of income by what they love. They don't have to go and try to do something that they don't love. If you don't love it, you don't like it, don't do it. 
you know, so that's rewarding for me to know that they're not going to be stuck in a position that they're doing something that they're not happy with or they're not satisfied. Ah, I mean, I bet. Yeah, I would be so impressed or proud if I had kids like Mikey. So you must be extremely (laughs) proud. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. So proud. Mikey, where do you see yourself in the future? I mean, you're so young. You have such a long life ahead of you. What What's your plan, man? I would like to be doing real estate. Real estate tycoon, Mikey Wren. I totally see it. Tycoon. That's a, I mean, moneymaker right there. Real mm-hmm. estate. There's always yeah, money like in real that. estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, vending is kind of like real estate. What about you, Ariel? So in 10 years, I see myself doing more coaches and developing of moms. I really want to teach moms how to become the boss of their own lives, start their own business, whether it's with their kids or without, but to create that income to where if they're not liking the field that they're in, they know that they can do something that they like and they know how to go create income and then not being quiet. Because sometimes as moms, we take the title, oh, I'm just a mom. And when my kids get older, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then by that time comes, when that time comes, you're, you don't you don't have the energy to do anything else. So I want to show moms how to be a parent and also go after their dreams and chase their dreams, whether it's a business or not, but really taking that time to focus on yourself. Oh my gosh. I mean, that is perfect for you. I feel like you're going to be huge in this field because I, I mean, if I were a mom someday, maybe I would definitely come see you and get coached by you because you have this, I mean, you have proof like of your children that are successful in your own life and how you've come out of so much. And so I think that's just an inspiration. We always like to ask our guests this kind of as a last question. Uh, Do you feel like entrepreneurs are born or do you feel like they can be, that can be learned? That can be a learned trait that you develop in your life. I kind of feel like in my mind, some people are born to work a job and some people are, well, some people are born to be workers and some people are born to be CEOs. But you can also kind of develop that trait along those lines. Yeah. And I think we all are born entrepreneurial. Um, I think it just takes a certain person or certain things to bring it out of us. Um, I think it lays dormant for a while because uh, sometimes people get it confused. Entrepreneurs are not always business owners. They're just creative. They're innovative. They like to just look at something and be up become the solution to that thing. And we all have that capability. If we see a problem, we want to change it, we change it, but sometimes we lack the resources of how to change it. So I believe we're all born entrepreneurs and we are trained or developed into business owners when we add structure to what it is that we do. Yeah, we're almost like conditioned to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to you, right? Like Mikey brought it out of you. So it's almost like that was kind of the... (laughs) catalyst for your entrepreneurialism to come out so Mm -hmm. all right well tell us where can people find you we have social media which is facebook youtube and instagram and it's mikey knows biz and then i'm ariel biggs and um you can just find me at ariel biggs facebook and instagram ariel biggs with two r's and two g's yes Follow this power team right here. I am just so touched by this interview. I'm so glad you both came on. Yeah. Uh, you guys are amazing. I'm, I am 
incredibly inspired and I want to shout it from the rooftops. So <laughs> thank you both for coming on. It was so great to get to know your story. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just shocked by everything that you've accomplished and, and Mikey at your age, all that you've done. So thank you for being an inspiration to us mm-hmm. and to everyone yeah. listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know this was over 40 minutes, but I don't even care. I don't we're- care. I mean, we're going to start caring a little more, but not I that I know. Much. We actually have to be more strict on the timeline. If y'all are still listening, I'm so glad you stayed on. That was amazing. What a beautiful Thanks for day. making it to the end. I mean, hopefully you cried just like we did. <laughs> you were crying, but you were muted. So I wish you cried with me. I know. It was hard to tell, but I had tears. I definitely yeah, had did. tears. So uh, next week, we have an amazing guest. Our next episode, it'll be in two weeks. Um, Mary from Capitan. Mary Cornfield. Mary can't Cornfield. wait to have her on. Her business just launched and just became live. So we can't wait to talk to her. All right. See you guys in two weeks. Bye, Caitlin. Uh, bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the 40 Under 40 podcast with Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.